welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you're having an amazing, wonderful day and even a better week. My name is Scott Thomas, and we get to hang today. Thank you for taking the time to jump on this podcast, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on any of the other platforms. Thanks for taking time to jump in here to the Offstage Podcast. This is the place where we are addressing the Hebraic perspective of the Christian faith and actually helping you to ask questions you never knew to ask, right? Filling in some of the missing pieces. Those things are not, they're not gone. They're not lost. They're just missing. How do we find them, plug them in, and bring life and understanding to our faith? That's what this whole thing is about. So we're having a great time. This is brand new. Uh, We've only been in this for a few weeks. And uh, you can go back and check the other episodes out. But uh, today we're going to continue the journey. So get your Bibles, as we always say, either turn your Bible on or pick your Bible up and open it up. But I want you to go with us today to the book of, it's a book we don't go to very often, probably the most skipped over book in the Bible. You know what it is? Leviticus. Go to Leviticus chapter 11. And uh, let's get ready to check out some things that I think is going to be very interesting for you and I to look at and maybe bring some insight all the way back to the book of Genesis, like in the beginning stuff, give you a twist and a picture of something maybe you're not used to seeing or haven't seen it in this light. I'm hoping that it's going to bring some understanding and uh, quite honestly, bring the Bible's relevance for today out in a way that's going to be so applicable to your life as it's been to my life when I saw this. So just want to share it with you. Leviticus 45, uh, I'm sorry, Leviticus 11.45. Leviticus 11.45. Here's what the Bible says. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Let me focus on this again. I am the Lord. That that word Lord, that title Lord, uh, if you'll notice, uh, it, it, it's, it's actually meaning I am Yahweh, Jehovah. I am the relational father. The relational aspect of God is talking here. I am that I am. I'm, I am your relational father. I want to connect and I want to know you who brought you up out of Egypt, a place of bondage, a place of limitation, but also a place of paganism a place where your faith was confronted with a different faith. Your your theology, your worship of me was confronted with other gods who were worshipped by the Egyptians. Uh, you, you know the story. It's where the Hebrew children were brought into bondage uh, by the Egyptian people, and the Egyptians had multiple gods. And here the Hebrew people were to have one god, Jehovah, God that we serve, And in this process, their faith is confronted, and many begin to slip into paganism, begin to worship other gods, along with worshiping Jehovah. It's interesting how they didn't abandon God, but they just made him one of their gods instead of others. They diluted him. And can I just tell you, anytime that we make him one of our gods instead of the God in our life, all of a sudden we are diluting his influence, his impact, his worship, because God's a jealous God. He doesn't share his seat with anybody. The throne is not a love seat. It's a single seat, right? There's not room for two sitting up there, only one. And so this is what the Word is saying. I am the relational father. I'm the relational father who brought you up out of bondage limitation, small place, out of paganism, out of multiple gods, to be your God. 
I got you out so that I would be the only influence in your life, the only one you worship with your lifestyle. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Be holy. Be separate. Be different. Live your life. Make decisions that are different. Now, now this is a powerful verse that I think we can all immediately apply to our lives. We've all had some places of limitation, bondage. We've, we've all gone through some things. And the truth is, we all still have our struggle, right? Every All of us have an Egypt in our life. Something that we realize is trying to pull us from our our focus and our influence and our impact and connection with God and God alone as a relational God to us. But but here's what's interesting. He said, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. This word God is different than Lord. The first word, I, I, I am your Lord, the relational one. I want to know you, and I brought you out of Egypt so I would be your Elohim. I will be your powerful creator. In other words, the relational side of me brought you out of your limitations so you get to experience the creative side of me that can do amazing and abundant things in your life. God wants to blow your life up in a wonderful way. He wants to show you the side of him that can create a life that you never could have had on your own. And so he says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to be holy. What does that mean? I want you to be separate. I want you to live your life different. I want your your lifestyle, your choices, your your attitude, your mindset, your language, your lifestyle different. Now, different doesn't mean weird. Please know I'm not pushing us into weirdness, but God doesn't want us weird. But he does say, I want you to live differently. I want your focus, your attitude, your aspirations, your heartbeat to be for something different than just a culture that's after everything. I don't want you after everything. I want you after one thing. That's get to know my heart so then I can do amazing things in your life. It rings true and it, it tremendously influences uh, from the first half of the book, the Hebrew Bible or the First Covenant Old Testament, as some refer to it as. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, and the Bible says this, Come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. Again, we have... We have the Apostle Paul here, he's speaking to this church from Corinth, and he's saying, I want you to come out and live separate. Don't get caught in paganism. Don't get caught in doing things that culture is doing. Culture is influential. Uh, we, we all we all want to connect. We, we, want, to, we want to enjoy life and, and enjoy all things that are there and, and, and take advantage of opportunities, all that. And God is not prohibiting us from connecting. In fact, we need to engage culture if we're going to be light in darkness, right? I mean, if, if we're going to impact anyone's life, we have to be where people are. However, what this verse is saying is separate yourself, separate your lifestyle, your your heart, your passions. Make sure your passion is for me. That Don't get caught up in pursuing things that are dead ends. Don't start pursuing things that are self-serving. Pursue things that are God-serving, and so this is this is where uh, this is where uh, the instruction is coming from to really impact our life. Well, I want you to understand this mandate, this instruction, actually began in Genesis, in a story and in a motif uh, that that we overlook sometimes. Genesis chapter two, Genesis two verses sixteen and seventeen. Uh, I just happened to have my Bible, and so I will read it for you. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Uh, listen, to what, listen to what the Word says here. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. God warned them, you may freely eat from any tree in the garden, except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because when you do, you're going to die. Maybe maybe you're like me. There's a rebellious streak inside of you where when you see a sign that says wet paint, do not touch, what do you want to do? You want to go touch it, right? Yeah, I, I, I can relate. I want, to get, I want to get something on my finger. I just want to see if it's actually wet. Um, there's something about a prohibition where do not do this, you can't do that, don't walk through that door, uh, only certain people here. That creates an intrigue on the inside of us. There is this, call it rebellion, call it, uh, we can call it inquisitive, whatever, but, but there's something inside of us that is drawn to that that is uh, prohibited, that that is marked off. You can't ever do this, don't ever do that. Something inside of us is attracted to that, just like what happened with Adam and Eve here. There's an attraction now to this, and we know that chapter 3 in Genesis, now the serpent comes in and begins to talk with Eve. Eve gives the it's her serpent time, begins to speak, and all of a sudden now they eat the apple, right? They ate from the tree. But I, I want to go back and I want to look at this, this passage, this command in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, and talk how it applies to us. Because we can look at Adam and Eve, and we can just scathe them, and we can, man, I can't believe they did that. How, why would they do that? Well, maybe you and I are actually guilty of the same thing. In, in this passage, uh, God calls this tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge, knowledge. It's an interesting, interesting word. The word is in the Hebrew is yada, uh, and it comes, yada comes from another Hebrew word, da'at, um, and it literally means this, if I wanted to get into the specifics of it, it means to combine or mix or to create a place of intimacy. An intimacy of combining and mixing and a bringing together. That, that's what the word knowledge is, all right? Now, now let's, let's play this forward. It's, it is where man is attempting. God said, I do not want you to attempt to mix, to combine, or to intimately put together good and evil. Do not, do not attempt to take what's right and what's wrong and mix them. Don't do that. I don't want you to eat from experience or have the sensation of what it is to attempt to do what's right and what's wrong at the exact same time. You see, when Adam and Eve do this, it's literally attempt at becoming our own God to determine what's good and what's evil. It's when I am making decisions for myself, I can do this or I can do that. It doesn't matter. I can justify this. It becomes a religious cocktail. It's a mixed drink of a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and all of a sudden I'm going to throw it together and I'll do make my own flavor. And here's what God is saying. I don't want you to have your own flavor of relationship with me. I will determine the flavoring. I'll determine the purity. I'll determine the strength of this drink. 
I don't want you to dilute it. I don't want you to play with it or put something in it that's actually poisonous or could harm you. Because what happens is when we begin to mix what's right with what's wrong and we find a way to justify it, rationalize it, whether it's in relationships, in business, in, 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 in our private time, when we find a way to begin to put that together and start justifying, well, God will forgive. Well, it really doesn't matter. Well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. We begin to justify these things. What are we doing? We are playing, toying, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm trying to actually combine and mix and create intimacy between what's right and what's wrong. I have become my own God. I am attempting to dethrone God and say my will is better and higher than your will and your way. So I will do this because I've decided this is good for my life. It's a mixture of theology, God's way of doing life, as well as humanism, my way of doing life. I'm trying to mix it all together and be okay with it. And then I want God to sanction it. And I want God to bless me in spite of these decisions. Now, I'm not preaching at anybody. I'm just saying it's in our human condition. It, it's who we are. We, we are looking for the way out to do it God's way, get God's blessings, and still get my way about things at the exact same time. Our, our attitudes, relationships, how we treat people. Um, all of these areas are all of a sudden uh, brought to the forefront, and we have to examine our lives. Am I attempting to mix what's right and what's wrong and be okay with it? And then I wonder why I'm not getting the pure impact of God's promises when I'm actually living a mixed life. The mixed life is what sets us back. The, the mixed life is what challenges us, and, and God's Word is making it very plain here. From the very beginning, do not attempt to mix those together because the day that you do, you're going to die. Uh, the, the, the problem is when man tries to combine this uh, instead of protecting the separation, protecting the holiness, protecting living that set-apart life. Again, it's the same as when the Hebrew children were in Egypt and some were, were, were worshiping pagan gods. And then others were worshiping Jehovah or trying to mix that together. I'll give God his time on the Sabbath, and then I'll go back and I'll worship my other gods on these days. And it just became diluted to where really I wasn't worshiping God at all. This is what God is saying. I want your heart. I want to experience you. I want you to experience me in the fullness of who I am, but I'm not sharing this area of your heart with anybody or anything else. So this is what's being spoken of. Uh, no more uh, mixing and playing because what happens is when I start to mix what's right and what's wrong, when I start to mix good and evil, I'm going into idolatry. I'm creating idols and gods for myself. And somehow in there, in our humanity, we begin to live this and then we wonder why I'm not being blessed. And then we determine, well, maybe God's word doesn't work. Well, maybe this isn't for me. Well, maybe this is just a fabrication of my imagination. Maybe this was not real anyway. And somehow God gets blamed for not blessing our cocktail of religion when he said, I just want you to have the pure form of who I am. So he's laying these things out very, very plainly, very, very specifically. Another curious verse that in another way goes with this whole thinking is Exodus 23, 19. Uh, so in, in, in Judaism, there is a concept of eating kosher. 
uh, eating kosher. That's that's where uh, certainly this it's the prohibition against eating certain things, pork, shellfish, right? There's some things along that line. But and then meat has to be uh, harvested in a certain way in order for it to be kosher. That's why I love my Hebrew national hot dogs. Amen. I can't eat them all the time, but they're good. Uh, but but there's a certain way, and on packaging, you'll notice. There's like a little circle with a K in there. There's a couple of other symbols that they have to let you know this food is deemed kosher. But another, another piece that makes food kosher is dairy and meat are never combined. Like a, a Jew that eats kosher is never going to have a cheeseburger. There's no dairy on top of the meat. They don't, they don't connect. A kosher kitchen is a kitchen that has a separate area solely for dairy, where dairy is prepared, and then a whole separate area where meat is prepared. The two do never come together. There's a separation there. And it is deemed then kosher if prepared in two separate, so that they can't ever be mixed. Uh, but, but this passage of Exodus 23, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. This is where the idea of eating kosher came from. Don't mix meat and milk together. That's, that's the idea there. And I'm not here to talk about kosher or not kosher, but here's what I am here to talk about. There is, a, there is another perspective of this verse that many Jews have looked at and taken, and it is this. The refusal to mix milk, which is a picture of life, with meat, which is a picture of death. You see, a cow can give milk and still be alive, but in order for a cow to give meat, it has to be dead. In other words, this passage from this perspective goes back into and speaks, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not try to mix good and evil. Well, in this passage, don't boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Do not mix milk and meat. Don't mix life and death. Don't play with that mixture. Keep them separate. Do not try to put it together and call it good. And this is exactly what the Word is trying to tell us, that the moment that we start mixing it and playing it, it's going to bring death to our life. In fact, here's an interesting concept for you. It's the wicked, according to the Bible, who attempt this mixture, this cocktail. It's the wicked. Now, now let me let me qualify that word wicked. Uh, the word wicked uh, in the Hebrew, it literally means to leave the path. There is a path that you and I should be walking and living in our life. We know what that path is. It's it's God's way, it's God's will, it's God's word, right? We're all we're all walking this path. But it's when we leave that path that we all of a sudden, according to Hebraic uh, perspective and definitions, we, when we leave that path, we go into wicked ways. Psalm 18.21, For I have guarded the paths of God, of Yahweh, and have not departed from my Elohim. I have not departed. I've not gone wicked. I've not pushed him away to do me instead of him. I'm not playing that. In the English language, though, and I'm going to start wrapping up with this because I think this is really interesting. In the English language, the word, uh, the word wicked had, comes from a, a base derivation that I want to show you how the etymology grows to give us greater impact for where this is, and then we'll wrap this up here. Uh, follow this. The word weak in the original English language back in, in Old English, weak was the base root for the word wick. 
A wick, what is a wick? A wick is on the candle, and a, and a wick has to be twisted together. And when the wick is twisted and then obviously covered in, in wax, it burns longer because it's been wound tightly together. But it had to be twisted in order to have that burning capacity. If left untwisted, it wouldn't be a wick. Uh, it would just burn too quickly. Uh, so weak, the word weak, was the base for the word wick, twisted which is where we get our word wicked. The wicked are those who have been twisted because they were weak. Do you see this? It's it's the wicked people who have left the path. Why did I leave the path? Because I got it twisted. You got what twisted? My way versus his way. I started playing with my attitude versus his attitude. The wicked people who have left the path went that way because they got twisted in their thinking, theology, attitude. And the reason they got twisted was because they were weak in a certain area of their life. And the weakness got them twisted, became a wick, and the wick became wicked because they eventually left the path. This is something that we also have to guard in our lives. We have the capacity to get get it twisted. Here's what God is saying. Don't get it twisted. I'm God and you're not. I, I, I hear this resound through my head. Scott, Scott, you are not God. You, you don't have the capacity to run your life. Your abilities, your God's plans, your capacity, all of that is beyond your pay grade to run. Only God can do that. Only the manufacturer of your life knows the right way. Listen, we think we know how to run our relationships. We think we know what we can do, what we can't do. We're looking at culture. We're watching social media to try to determine what's right and wrong for my life. And I'm telling you what's going to happen. If we lean into culture, people's opinion, morals, popularity, uh, what, what everyone celebrates in our culture today, what's going to happen? We're going to get it twisted. We're going to get become a wick that eventually will go wicked. We will leave the path and we'll raise our head and wonder where is God when the truth is God didn't leave us. We left him. We left the path. I've got to pull it back together. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the only tree God said, leave that alone. Eat eat from every other tree in the garden. But listen, leave that one alone. I want you to know that wasn't just 6,000 years ago. That wasn't just at the beginning of time. That's talking to us today. He's telling you, he's telling me, do not eat from that tree. Do not try to mix and create an intimacy between good and evil because the day that you do, it'll bring death. What is death? Well, they didn't die. They're still sucking air. They were fine. God kicked them out of the garden, but I don't understand. How do they die? God said they would die. Why didn't they die? Oh, they did because death is a separation from God's presence, and that's exactly what they experienced. Once they attempted to mix that, their weakness got them twisted, and in the twisting, they left the path. God said, when you do that, it's going to create a death in your life. There's a separation. And when that happens, my voice is going silent. I can't be there. I told you, be holy as I am holy. Come out and be separate so we can unite and be one together. I've got amazing plans for your life. But if I keep getting it twisted and leaving the path, I'm going to find myself wondering where God is. I feel cold. It feels silent. When the truth is, he didn't leave me. I walked off and left him. And God's saying, I don't want separation between you and me. 
I want to make sure you and I are solid and good and we're going the same direction, enjoying life. I'm blessing you just the way I had plans to do and I promised in the Word. But the only way to do that is if you will leave the knowledge of good and evil up to me. It's my pay grade that can determine that. Just follow the course of what I've laid out and watch the blessings flow in your life. We've got to get back to doing it God's way. This passage speaks to me every time I hear about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It just rings true in my head. Again, don't mix them. Keep them separate and let me lead your life. I'm just challenging you today. Let's just do it God's way. Keep leaning into him and know that his plan is to bless you, to celebrate you, to jump and spin wildly, according to what Zephaniah tells us, that when he thinks of us, because we're in relationship, he's our God. He's leading, he's guiding, he's creating, he's developing, he's doing all these plans that he has promised. He wants to download the promises into our life, but we've got to stay on the path. And the only way to stay on the path is to keep my hands off of the one thing he said to leave alone. Leave the idea, the judging of right and wrong up to him. Follow his word. Do it his way. We'll get his results. Thanks for hanging out today. Look these scriptures over. Roll it around in your, in your head, your heart, your spirit. And if you don't mind, take this and repost this so your friends and family can kind of lean into hearing what you're listening to. Maybe something here will help challenge and create a conversation that will push us all in the right direction. Uh, thanks for checking out the uh, Offstage podcast today. Have an amazing day. We'll see you next week right back here as we fill in the blanks. Their pieces are not lost. They're just missing. We'll find them.